invite everybody to please stand and open your Bibles to First Peter. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on your on the screen or maybe on your phone. First Peter chapter two, starting in verse eleven. Stephanie and Dick, thank you so much for that offertory. First Peter chapter two, starting here in verse eleven. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. What credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for the righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible day. Thank you, Jesus, because you are our great shepherd. You are the overseer of our souls. And Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would send us your Holy Spirit in new, fresh ways, bring encouragement, strength, conviction, transformation, healing. Lift up the name of Jesus in our lives and touch and transform us for his glory. And we ask all these things in his precious name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome again. I know we've got a group from City Church Network visiting us today. So welcome. Glad you guys are here. And also, I think a small group from Station Hill is here. So we're glad you guys are here. They're all sitting here in the front. So we've got you duped. No one sits here in the front except for a few. So glad you guys are here. Anyway, we've been going through 1 Peter, and we're here in chapter 2, and I need to be honest with you all very much. This passage that we just read, I have struggled with all week long. Uh, part of it is because it talks about slaves, and I've been reading a couple books about how our country treated African Americans back during slavery and after slavery, and I really don't even have words to express uh, what those books have done to me. So I'm going to struggle through that part of the passage, I'll just be honest. Uh, why Peter talks the way he does about slaves. Um, I will say this, over one-third of all 
citizens, not even citizens, but just people that lived in the Roman world were slaves. And in the first couple centuries of the early church, the majority of Christians were slaves. And the church had to deal with the issue that some of their bishops and pastors and elders and leaders were slaves, and yet they had spiritual oversight over Roman citizens. And there were only about 20% of all people living in the Roman world were actually citizens. The Apostle Paul was one of them. So there's a social dynamic going on back in the first century when Peter was writing that was extremely challenging. And Peter also commands us to honor the emperor. Now, we don't have an emperor, but Peter did. It was Nero, one of the most vile, immoral, vicious emperors to ever rule the Roman Empire. He only ruled for about three or four years. He was the one who executed Peter. He was the one who executed Paul, according to church tradition. And yet Peter commands us to honor the emperor. How do we honor people who are extremely immoral and unjust? And I know I've just jumped into very deep water at the beginning of this sermon. Where's the funny story? Where's the hook, right? I'm just being honest with you. This passage has wrecked me very hard. And I don't have all the answers. So we're going to jump into some of it. So let's come up for some air. Who loves cartoons? Raise your hand. Oh, a lot of honest people here. Thank you, Margie. I, love, I haven't seen Toy Story 4 yet. I heard it's awesome. Jill and Wayne posted tons on Facebook about how great it was. Uh, but I love cartoons. Uh, the Bu- A Bug's Life, which came out probably 30 years ago, there's a scene in Bug- A Bug's Life, and if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. I can't put it on the screen because if I did, it would come from YouTube, and then there would be copyright laws, and so we can't do that. But there's a scene, and uh, for those of you guys, we don't, I don't think they exist anymore, but how many remember those electrical bug-like killers that you could put outside and it would attract all the lights and there's the electrical things around? Okay, yeah, awesome. There's a scene where, like, these two bugs, it's nighttime outside this old dumpy trailer, and there's one of those electrical lights, and a, two bugs fly up, and one all of a sudden goes in circles, and he starts slowly drifting to this electrical light, and his buddy's like, Harry, don't go to the light, don't look at the light. And his buddy, Harry, is like, I can't help it, it's so beautiful. And then he gets zapped and dies. Well, I love that scene because we had one of those growing up, and we just loved watching the big bugs especially just get electrocuted and burn and fry, you know. And uh, so go to YouTube, type in Bugs Life, electrical light, and it'll come up at 17 seconds long. There's another 10-second version that's not quite as good. You can tell I've watched it probably 10 times this week. But today we're talking about we've been called to do good works. We've been called to do good. And yet scripture says that our good works are just like filthy rags. And I don't want any of us to get confused. Doing good works and being good and obeying God does not get us to heaven. Any more, and I'm going to steal Keith Green's line, any more that going into McDonald's makes us a hamburger. And too many people think that if they do good and obey God and go to church and help the poor and give a little bit of money and serve, and if if their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, are going to go to heaven. And even those of us who love Jesus and believe in Jesus, we still struggle with the whole good works thing, bad works thing. And when we sin too much, we feel like we've got to do a little bit of extra good so that God will, you know, love us and he'll feel better about us. Scripture says that God has tattooed us on the palms of his hands. And you guys know that I love babies 
I'm all right. Ezekiel's getting too big for me almost, but I'll still hold him until he's probably four or five, and then he'll eventually, you know. But I love babies, and we dedicated little Micah today, and just the fact of holding him, and I'm kind of bummed. I'll get mad at Micah later on this afternoon at the party, like, man, you didn't let me hold you because he was sleeping. But our Heavenly Father loves us like a father holding a newborn baby, kind of like Dustin over there in the corner, see, the little girl. That is the love that our Heavenly Father has for us. And there's no amount of good works that we could ever do to make Him love us more. He just loves us. And as His dearly beloved children, His sons and daughters, He's called us to let our light shine before men and women, young and old, to do good so that when they see our good works, they praise Him. We've been called to do good works. That's what we're going to look at here. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Here we have, and Peter says, he says, Dear brothers or dear friends, your translation might say, Dearly beloved. It's this deep expression, and there's a transition. And for the next couple chapters, Peter's going to talk a lot about how we should live as husbands, as wives, as slaves, as citizens, as strangers and foreigners in a strange land, which is this earth. But Peter says, dear friends, and then look what he says, and we could park right here on this verse for the rest of the week. Look at what Peter says. He says, dear friends, I urge you. He what? I what? Urge. It's this deep, I I plead with you. I plead with you. He says, I urge you as strangers and exiles, as foreigners. We have many people from other countries in this church. Having lived in another country, when you live in another country or visit another country, it's weird, it's strange, it's different. And that's the key word you always want to remind yourself. It's different. It's not bad, it's not worse, it's just different. But we're foreigners, we're exiles, we're strangers on this earth. This is not our home. It never has been, it never will be, but many times we try to make this our home. But Peter is urging us. He's compelling, he's pleading all of us as strangers and exiles to what? Abstain from sinful desires. To run away from, to flee, to abstain from sinful desires. As a high school student who had just become a Christian, I would translate sinful desires, sexual desires. But sinful desires can be any desire. Lust, greed, anger, bitterness, selfishness, pride, envy. Hate, greed, idolatry, slander, complaining, any and all sinful desire. Or to abstain, to flee from it, to not participate in it, but we're to abstain from it. But then look at what Peter says. Sinful desires that wage what? War. Do you realize we're at, we're at war? Scott's in the military. Some of you are veterans. Some of you have scars from wars you've been in, physical and emotional. Would we ever go out on the battlefield without our armor and weapons? No. And yet all of us are at war every day with Satan, with this world that is not our home, Anything and everything in this world does not come from the Father, but the sinful desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. It's not from our Father. And we live in a culture that is so 
contradictory to what our Heavenly Father, Father desires. And then our own sinful nature that we still will fight against. We are at war. And yet many of us want to live life as if we're on the beach on vacation. How different would we live if we truly understood that there are sinful desires and that we have a true enemy named Satan, the devil, Lucifer, who's been a liar from the beginning. And his role is to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. Death is the ultimate enemy. And the wages of sin is death. And we're at war, and these sinful desires wage war against our soul. And we can't just flippantly live our lives, oh, I want peace. Jesus is our peace, and he's our good and great shepherd. But we need to realize from the time we take our first breath on this planet until we breathe our last, we are on the battlefield of life, and there is an enemy, and our sinful desires wage war against our soul. And if we lower our armor, or if we never put it on, we will be squashed. That is why Peter urges us to abstain from these sinful desires. And then he continues, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. Gentiles is just the word Peter uses for non-Christians. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers... Have you ever been slandered for doing good? Who's been slandered for doing good? It says in the end times, people will begin to call what is good, bad, and bad, good. Jesus said that the end times were cut short for the elect because the days will be evil and the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold because the days are evil. Again, we are at war. And Peter here, he says, live honorably because people will slander you for being evildoers. And yet he encourages his readers, he encourages this flock. They will observe your good works. And what? Glorify God. People will slander us. They will accuse us of being evil. And yet when they see our good works... They will glorify who? God. This is a reflection off of Matthew 5.16. In Matthew 5.16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others so that when they see your good works, they will do what? What will they do? They will give glory to God. When people see that we're integrous, and we can't do it with our own strength. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. But can you imagine the impact that we have as believers doing good works? And I know that some of us think of good works well, that's going door to door to door, sharing the gospel. Maybe. It could be. Or that could also be the most offensive thing to do. But when they see our good works, loving one another, serving one another, forgiving each other, being patient, being integrous, being men and women of our word. Being pure instead of doing what this culture says, living together, sleeping together with people who we're not married to. Being faithful with our word and our work. We promise to be on time, stay on time, leave on time, stay even a little bit extra. Going the extra mile, as Jesus would say. 
And when someone slaps us on one cheek, we turn to the other and give them the other. Serving and truly loving the poor. When they see our good works, think of the impact that Jesus will have in his church when his church does good works. And again, we don't do these good works to get to heaven or to even find favor with God. We do it because we love him. We do it because we honor him. When I was a little child back in the 70s, TVs were not big, wide, and flat and skinny. It's almost like a huge piece of furniture, and they weighed about two tons, and they were big and wide thick, and they had two great big buttons on it, and usually two dials, click, 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 and there are usually three, maybe four channels. When I was four, I loved magnets, and no one's laughing because no one's going to know what I'm getting ready to say. I love magnets. Jill knows. She probably, Wayne probably did it, I bet. Four years old, I came up to this huge TV, and it was a piece of junk. And I took the magnet, I was playing with magnets, and I put one of the magnets on the screen, and that TV was on. And guess what all the colors did to that TV? Right to the magnet. I pulled the magnet away, and it went back to the TV show. A little off color. I put the magnet on the screen again, and everything. I pulled it back again. It kind of went back to the show, but it was almost in black and white, kind of green, brown, and blue. I put it back on the screen again, and my mom came in the room, and she flipped out. Kids, adults, don't ever, I don't know what these flat screen TVs do now. But in the 70s, if you put a magnet on the TV screen, it destroyed it. Magnets, just the way they would attract. May we live a life of such incredible good works to our fellow brothers and sisters, to those all around us to our boss or to our employees, to our teachers, to our fellow classmates. May we live a life that when they see our good works, they see us abstaining from sinful desires. They see us truly serving and loving and sacrificing and giving, sharing the love of Christ to others. May they see those good works. And just like the bug attracted to the nightlight, May they be attracted to the incredible love of Jesus and praise our Heavenly Father. Paul then goes into some very specific good works. Not Paul, Peter, sorry. Verse 13. This is our favorite word, isn't it? Submit. We love to submit, don't we? Mm. Who's going to be on? Who loves to submit? Here, love to submit. Oh, Jasmine, almost raised her hand. We don't love to submit. We don't want to submit. And yet Peter commands to submit to every human authority. Whether the emperor, supreme authority, the governors. I will say this. If you are in an abusive relationship, God does not want you to submit to that. You need help. And if you need help, please come and ask. Because abusers will take these verses out of context to continue to abuse people. So if you find yourself in an abusive relationship, there is help. 
then you will not be disobeying God by getting out of it. Because he is a God of justice, and he calls his church to fight for what is just and true. At the same time, so just leave that for what it's worth, because it's extremely important. At the same time, for those of us who are not in abusive relationships, we have to ask ourselves, am I truly submitting to every authority the way Christ calls us to submit? He then goes on to say, Peter, in verse 16, submit as free people because Christ has set us free. He set us free no longer to be under a yoke of slavery, but to be free. But Peter knows how some people are. He knows, oh, God's going to forgive me, so I'm just going to do what I want. I can always go to confession. No, submit, not so that it's a cover-up for evil because you're free, but as God's slaves. You see, we call Christ Lord, and if he truly is our Lord, we are his slave. We bow before our master, and we say, not my will, but your will. Your will be done. And we surrender, and regardless of what he commands us to do, whether if it's to go across the world to be a missionary or to walk across the street to love and serve our neighbor who is hard to love or to abstain from whatever sinful desire that is waging war against our soul, we surrender to our king as slave and we say, Jesus, I will do whatever you want because he is life and he's the only one that has life. And the crazy thing about his kingdom is it's an upside, inside-out kingdom. In order to be free, we must become a slave. In order to be first, we must become last. In order to live, we must die. That is how Jesus' kingdom works. He set us free so that we can become his slave. And in order to be, and when we become his slave, we truly are free. And Peter repeats it again here. In verse 15, right before it, he says, For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people, by doing good. So that when we do good, they will glorify our Heavenly Father. I'm going to jump down and skip because of the time, and we've got the Lord's Supper. Verse 21, one of the key components of, first of Peter is that he makes great Jesus, Christ crucified and risen. And from verse 21 down to 25, and this will lead us into the Lord's Supper. Peter commands slaves to be good, to do good, to submit, to love. We're called to love and to honor everyone, to fear God. And we're sometimes to endure lots of suffering. But then he says in verse 21, For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example that we should follow in his steps. We should follow Christ's steps, not that we'll all be crucified. According to church tradition, when Peter was in front of Nero, Peter told Nero that he was not worthy to die the same way that his Lord died, and so he asked to be crucified upside down. Now, that's church tradition. Is it true? Maybe. But the, early, the apostles and the early Christians, they rejoiced when they, were, when they were persecuted. They rejoiced when they were persecuted to having been counted worthy to suffer for Christ in his name. Following the example of Jesus... And it says here that Jesus, he did not, there was no deceit in his mouth. He did not insult when he is insulted. 
But when he suffered, he was threatened, and yet he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, his father. And think about Jesus standing before Pilate, being spit on, beaten, whipped, flogged, falsely accused. And this is the creator of all things. And he stands there. And when Pilate even rebuked him, telling him, aren't you going to respond? Don't you know that I have the power to set you free? Blah, 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 blah. And Jesus tells him, you would have no power except what's been given to you. That is meekness. And meek is not weak. Meekness is power under control. And Jesus willfully entrusted himself to his Father's will. And then it says here, as you guys know, he bore our sins on a tree. He died so that we might live for righteousness. Again, good works. Clothed with Christ. The next phrase here is one of the biggest reasons why we pray for healing, physical and emotional. By his wounds, you've been healed. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. For we were all like sheep gone astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus is our good and great shepherd. He's the overseer of our souls. There's a war raging against our souls, the sinful nature. Yet who oversees our soul? Jesus. I have three questions I want to ask to close as we go into this time of the Lord's Supper. The first one is this. Are you engaged in the war at hand? Are you just trying to relax and chill on this planet? We are at war, whether if we want to or not. Are you putting the armor on? The second question is this. When people see you, do they see the work of Jesus in your life? Those good works. When people see you, can they truly see Jesus working in your life? We've been called to do good works for his glory. The third one's this. Have you returned to Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of your soul? I know many of you have. But have you truly returned to him? Now's the time to do it. For some of us, it might be returning to him for the very first time as Lord and Savior. For many of us who are believers and love Jesus, there might be areas in our life that are unconfessed sin, and we need to confess it, or we need to repent, we need to abstain, we need to flee from. Today's the day to do it. So before we celebrate the Lord's table, we're just going to spend some time in silent confession. So let's pray. As we say in Spanish, we're going to rendir cuentas. We're just going to give account, pray with our Heavenly Father. I'm going to pray, then we'll spend some time in silent confession, and then we'll pray a prayer of confession together. So let's pray. You can stand, you can kneel, you can sit, however you want. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would search our hearts. And if there's any sin, any wicked way, reveal it to us. That we might repent and confess to you. Father, I confess to you, I don't live as if I'm at war. And there are many things of my sinful nature I don't abstain from. So Holy Spirit, work and move now. 
spirit of confession, I want to invite everybody to please stand and pray with me. This prayer will be up on the screen. Let's pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We've not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen.